let's go to, remember we are, tell you what, how we live. We live by, say it one more time, we live by, yeah, we live by believing. See, you, if you know how you live, you have to know what the enemy wants to attack in your life. He wants to attack your faith, right? Because that's what God gave you to live. All right, we live by believing. And we showed you that word believing had to do with accepting something that's true, which, which the word of God is true. And we also showed you that the word of God, it means to have faith in. And that's what we do with the word of God. We have faith in the word of God. We trust in the word of God. And we have confidence in the ability of God. See, we have confidence in God's ability. And we also uh, have confidence uh, in God's word. All right, that's what we gave you. And, and the word believe means to be fully persuaded. And that's what we want you to understand. When you say you believe God, if you believe God, you are what? Fully persuaded. All right, that means there's no questions in your heart about God. There's no doubt in your heart about God. When God would say something, I take God at his word. Amen. All right, and so what I want to do today, I want to, I want to show you what God wanted all along. And then I'm going to show you how we're going to get to it. This morning I dealt with Abraham. I'm not going to be able to go back to Abraham now. A lot I didn't cover on Abraham, but I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm going to have to move on. I got a lot of things that I got to cover just in this teaching. Uh, but I want to show you, first of all, if you're going to believe, you got to first have the Holy Spirit. So what we want to do there is go back to showing you that. Let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians because the first thing you have to do is have the Holy Spirit. So let's go there and show you that. First Corinthians uh, chapter 2. Uh, you got to have the Holy Spirit. And you have to know what the Holy Spirit is in your life for. So when you say you have to have the Holy Spirit, you got to know what you have the Holy Spirit for. What is he for? All right. That's First Corinthians chapter number 2. As Paul taught the wisdom of God. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then verse number nine, for, t- for time's sake, we're going to go down to verse number nine. It says, First Corinthians chapter two, he says, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the thing which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So only the Holy Ghost knows what he has for your life. Every one of us, I'm going to show you in God's word, I'm going to give you some scripture, we're going to go to them. You're going to write down Romans 12, 3. We're going to give you these ahead of time. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. We have to understand, God has all your life already, he already got your life planned out. So we have to do is find out what God has for us. All right, and that's why you need the word. What God has for me, he has gifts to go with that. What God has for you, he has gifts to go with that. That's why I told you God's grace is his spirit on you. God, Holy Spirit of truth is God's spirit within you. So you have the spirit of truth in you. That's how you can know the truth. When he, the Holy Ghost has come, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you in all truth. So the Holy Ghost is in you and his purpose in you is to guide you into all truth. All right. He would take a mind and he would show it unto you. That's what, that's what the Holy Ghost is supposed to do. Okay. 
So, but, but you have to make sure you got the Holy Spirit. And that's why I told you this morning, I'm going to go to that Ephesians 1, add that Ephesians 1 in verse number 13 and 14. Show you how you, how you get the Holy Spirit. You got to make sure you got the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 9, that's another one. Because if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're none of his. The only way you are known who you are is by having the Holy Spirit. People don't have the Holy Spirit, I don't care how much to go to church. You're none of his. All right. So you got to make sure you have the Holy Spirit. And you can't believe, my message today is talking about we live by believing. You can't live by believing without the Holy Spirit. You can't handle what God has for your life if you don't have the Holy Spirit. Okay. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to continue to read there. We are in verse number 12. For we have received not the spirit of the world. See, Paul is telling you, we have received the spirit which is of God. We have received the Holy Spirit that we might know the thing that are freely given to us of God. So he told you he received the Holy Spirit already. And the reason you received the Holy Spirit so you can know what God has for your life. I said to you this morning, one of my things that I'm believing God for. Is the working of miracles. Now that don't have to be what you believe in God. Being a pastor. I believe God for great faith. I believe I have great faith. And I believe I qualify for those miracles. <laughs> Praise God. You know I was praying. I was praying this on the way home yesterday. Talked to the Lord on the way home yesterday. And God is my witness about midnight last night. I'm going to say about 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock last night, I'm telling you, I thought he's going to manifest in my room. And I'm telling you, all right, I'll leave it, I'll leave it there. My God. Just make sure when you ask for something, you can handle it. I'm telling you, boy, I'm telling you, he'll manifest on you. He has manifested on me before. And I'm telling you right now, I thought I was buckwheat 2020. Praise God. You got to know what buckwheat's about, right? All right. Now, let's go into the word of God. Okay, we okay. I'm okay. All right, let's go into the word of God. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, told you you have received the Holy Spirit that you might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Let's see what God gave us. Let's go to Romans 12, 3. I told you that, right? And let's go to Romans chapter 12, and verse 3. Let's see what God gave you. We're going to go through this. Romans chapter 12. You got to know what he gave you. And you got to know what he gave you, what he gave you, you got to know what it's for. If not, you would abuse the gifts of the Spirit. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 says, For I say through the grace given to me, to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more higher than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt, that word dealt mean given, to every man the measure of faith. So what did God give you? Amen. Come on, everybody. Amen. So there's nobody in here that God did not give. If you're a Christian, he gave you his faith. Ain't that right? Let's show you in 2 Corinthians. Let's show you that same thing again. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. We'll go to the grace in a moment. Let's just show you the faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. 
So you have to know what God gave you. Once you realize what God has given you, you got to start using that. You got to know the purpose. The next verse we're going to go to is going to be Romans 5, 2. Because that's, that's the, that connects that, right? All right. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13 says, we have in the same spirit, what kind of spirit? We have the same spirit of faith. So he has dealt to every man the measure of faith. We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, we believe. We, that's how we got it. Therefore, have I spoken. We also believe and therefore we speak. So we, we have the spirit of faith. We, we all have faith. If you're born again, you have it. And then I showed you Ephesians 4-7. That's where we go next. You have to know what God gave you. But in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 7, you got to know what he gave you the faith for. I showed you this morning what faith is. Ain't that right? I gave you this morning Hebrew chapter 11 verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So I gave you Abraham. Abraham was hoping for a son. But he could not get the son until he believed. Because his faith would be the substance of what he was hoping for. Did anybody hear what I just said? So whatever you're hoping for, faith is the substance of that. So if you're in here right now, you say, okay then, uh, I need healing in my body. Well, God has given you the healing because it's in Christ, right? And the work has been finished on the cross, but he gave you the faith so it can be manifested. See, what faith does is get what you have in your inheritance from the spirit realm and bring it into you so you can use it in the natural realm. That's why you have to believe it into the natural realm. Just like a baby. I want a baby. Well, you just don't say I want a baby. Boop, they're a baby. The baby has to be brought into the natural realm. And the only way it's going to happen, you have to have seed. And the seed must be put into the woman and she will bring forth the baby. See, it's a process, right? So your heart is the same way with God's word. So when God wants you to bring forth something, he put it in your heart. And your heart changes its from a spiritual to a natural. Just like a baby. It starts out with a sperm. And the, and the womb had the ability to change it into a boy or girl. That's how your heart's made. He gave you your heart. That's why faith is where? In your heart. If you believe with your you believe with your heart. Faith is in your heart. But also, you have to understand, doubt can get in the heart. Unbelief can get in your heart. So that's why you got to make sure you, in the new covenant, 
the Holy Ghost got your heart. Old covenant, you had to God, that's what you had to do. So old covenant proverb told you to guard your heart. For out of it is the issue of life. In the new covenant, the spirit of God in Philippians 4, 6 and 7, told you that the Holy Ghost keeps your heart. He don't trust you with that no more. Amen. And so you have the Holy Ghost, and that's what the Holy Ghost does. He makes sure, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall what? It guards your heart. So that's what the Holy Ghost does. He guards your heart. Now, you, you don't want to keep him fighting you all day long. So you're watching stuff that ain't no good. It's dead. All the people on the TV dead. How you know the stuff dead? They all have no color. They all, they, the picture dead. The, the, everything dead. And you're still trying to feed that your, your spirit. And the Holy Ghost keep rejecting it. What you allow in your spirit would also cause to manifest your life. If it get in your heart. Somebody say, if it get in your heart. So that's why you got you to gotta make sure, that's why you got the Holy Ghost. That's why you, just thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit right now. Because he's the one that keeps stuff out of our heart. Ain't that right? All right, here we go. Now in Ephesians, uh, what I say I'm going first? I Ephesians 4 7. Ephesians 4 7. Thank you very much. You probably be my mouthpiece sitting up here. Ephesians 4 7. But unto every one of us is given. So he's, he doesn't have nobody that he didn't give to. The key is what are you spending your time on? What are you doing? The message is called. Somebody give me the message. We live by believing. So what ends up happening is you see some folks living better than you are. You don't know, you don't know what's going on. You live by believing. We got the Williams in the house. How many bedrooms you got in your house now, the Williams? She has 11. Wait, this, this, is, real, this is real business. This is real business. This is real business. I know the young lady that she already answered it for you because she knows us. Once again, Miss William, how many bedrooms do you have in your house? She has 11 bedrooms in her house. Now, that's, what, that's something that God showed her. Now, I'm talking about this is, this is big time stuff. And I guarantee you, she had to do some believing and get everybody else on one accord. This is how we're going to do this thing. But God will bring it to pass. Somebody said it came to pass. But, so you have to understand, that's how, that's how things work. We just kept on believing. You just keep on believing. That's, what, that's why I told you this morning, you can't doubt God. Because God don't show up on your time. God don't wear a watch. As a matter of fact, God does not live in time. God lives in eternity. That's why you had to be born of the Spirit, get in eternity where he is, so you can believe him. Because he's not coming back in time no more. He came in time 2,000 years ago. And he got out of here. Not come back in time no more. No more day and night for him. Day and night is the same to him anymore. All right, here we go. 
Ephesians 4, 7 once again. But on every one of us is given grace. What did he give you first? Faith. Just trying to find out where you are. You got to answer all the questions for them. So they got, they're going to have to find out. They got to learn how to live this way. What did God give you first? Faith. He gave you faith. I gave you two verses of scripture on it. And now he has given you the next thing, Ephesians 4, 7. What did he give you? So you got to know what he gave you. Grace is mean everything that he died, buried, and raised again for. So you have nothing God didn't give you. Look at Ephesians 1 and 3. Just to give you a little glimpse. And then we'll look at Romans 8, 32. This is just a glimpse of what God gave you. The first I said we going to what? Ephesians 1 and 3. You're right there, right? Ephesians 1 and 3 told you what God gave you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. He started off the same way. I like Peter, Peter when Peter told the church of God. I'm going to read this too. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who had. He didn't say he's going to bless you. See, what happened with people, they try to get God to bless them. Bless me, O Lord. You, you know you already blessed. The blessing was given to Abraham. And the blessing was passed down from Abraham. Matter of fact, it was given to Adam, the first high priest of the Garden of Eden. And then the blessing went down to Noah. And then the blessing went down to Abraham. And then the blessing went down to Isaac and to Jacob and to Joseph and the children of Israel and to Christ, the seed. So when you receive Christ, everything he gave Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the Old Testament people, you hear folks say, oh, I wish I lived in the Old Testament. I would have all them blessings. You got them all now? Amen. You have the double portion. When Christ came, the Bible said, in the Gospel of St. John 1 and 17, how many can quote that verse? Two things came by Jesus Christ. I'll help you out a little bit. He said, he said, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. When he came, he brought you grace and he brought you truth. He brought you the new covenant. He brought you the work already finished. That's what grace is, his work already finished. Ephesians 1 and 3, when Paul found this out, he said, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has passed and blessed us with all. How many is all? Anybody know what all is? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So that's why I told the Lord, well, the gift of, the gifts of miracles, isn't that all? Ah, hallelujah. All spiritual blessings, eternal life is in that. He blessed us with all spiritual blessings, and where are they located? They're right there where I am. They're in heavenly places in Christ, and guess what? I'm in Christ, and Christ in me. So he has put everything in my reach. He has given me the faith, which is Romans, uh, Hebrew 11 and 1, which is the substance. Hebrew 11 and 1 said what? He, now faith is the substance. Uh, substance of what? Of everything I'm hoping for. But it didn't stop there, it just got a comma. And it's also the evidence of things that I cannot see. So I have my faith, which is the evidence Faith is the substance. See, I don't have it physically. I don't see it physically. But faith is my substance. 
of what I'm hoping for. Faith is my evidence. So I got it because I got the faith. And I got the grace. And then Romans 5 and 2, let's go there. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Now, you already got this on your podcast. You already been, whoa, this out. This ought to be the bestseller. But I'm going to tell you what the bestseller, prayer, part one. My God, there's some time I don't know what to do. The question God had me in the ministry years ago, he said, what do you do when you don't know what to do? How many know what to do when you don't know what to do? Pray! When you come to a place where you don't know what to do, don't just go do something. Pray. When you pray, you turn it over to the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. When you pray, you turn it over to the Holy Spirit. Prayer is casting your care on him. Prayer means I can't do it. I don't know what to do. I come to the end of my rope. I'm going to turn it over to the Lord and he worked it out. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I got that one. I'm telling you right now. I'm going through, I'm going through something in my spirit because I'm praying for folk. I got a mother usually sit right there. Her name is Patricia Love. Praying for her. Mother Love is in the hospital in Detroit. Mother Tankersley at home. I got some mothers in here. I got a mother's list. See, I don't just have a mother list out there. I got a mother list at home in my prayer closet. I call their name out every day and their husbands and their children. I pray for their children. I pray for their grandchildren. If you're in this ministry, most likely I got your name. I pray for Brother Wade and his wife this morning, four, four o'clock or something like that. I pray for y'all early. Sometimes y'all get prayed for twice a day. <laughs> Amen. I pray for Sister Grace right there. That's my daughter. I pray for Grace. I pray for Mill. I pray for Jimmy. I pray for the family. See, I pray for you. That's, you know what God showed me? I said, how am I going to get to know all these people? He said, by prayer. Because <laughs> when you pray for somebody, you remember their name. I got a book. I'll write your name down in there. I got Sister Phyllis Lovatis. Pray for her. So anytime you come here, your name was on my list. I pray for my sister right there and her dad. That's what she usually said. And my dad. I got her. See, because I know what means something to a heart. I learned how to, your children's name, Caitlin and Caitlin, I know their name because I pray for them. Didn't know them before. I didn't know them. I had it messed it up. <laughs> so that's what I do. And that's how we're going to get to know one another is through prayer. That's why the greatest message I ever preached was pray. When you don't know what to do, what do you do? Thank you. So you don't call. He didn't say call Pastor Crump. He said pray. <laughs> Pastor, I don't know what to do. He told you. He told you what to do. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now in Romans five and, two. and five and two. Now Romans five two says, "By whom also we have access." Now I'm going to do a teaching soon in this series. And I'm going to show you the, 
the seven I am's. That's all coming to a theater near you. <laughs> By whom also we have access, some I say entrance, access and entrance. You have access by faith into this grace. So I told you what the faith was for. It's your access. It's like the key that go in your car. Like I told you this morning, it's the password to go in your phone. You know how much stuff, information you got in your phone? And if you can't remember your passcode, oh my Lord, what am I going to do? Change the passcode. It's your phone. <laughs> All right, so we have faith, faith, access to grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What else I gave you? Romans 8 and 9, just tell them as I give them to you. I gave you Ephesians 1, let's go there. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, just write them one up on another. That's how you do help me out. Because when I give you something, they already in divinely ordered. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's back up to verse 11. Ephesians 1 11 says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. But he said, in, in whom? In whom? In Christ we have obtained an inheritance. So I found out how did, well, how did God search out Abraham and give him the land of Canaan? Because Noah had it. Same lineage. And then Adam had it. See, you looking at Adam in the garden. God looking at Adam at the high priest in Jerusalem. And that's why when Jesus came as a high priest, where did he pray at? Y'all all know. Y'all about He prayed in the garden. Gethsemane. You about to go back and check your book out. Where did Jesus die? Where did they catch him at? When they came and found him, where was he at? In the garden. It was called the Garden of God. That's where he was. It's the same Adam that was in the Garden of Eden. Everything happened in heaven and in earth, not in Pontiac. So until you understand what heaven and earth is, you're not going to get nowhere in this Bible. God shall love the world. You got to know the world means Israel of Christ's day. The Garden had been turned into the world. See, when Adam had it, it was a garden. But if you do not work your garden, it turns into a field. And if you read Matthew chapter 13, he said the field is the world. You got all them pretty vegetables out there. Let me show you this. Some of y'all just like, Pastor, be just throwing stuff out there. Let me finish Ephesians 1.13. We go to Matthew 13. Okay, here we go. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 13. In whom we also trusted. Remember I showed you what faith is? It's when you trust God. But we didn't trust him until after we heard. Somebody said after we heard. And it said we heard the word of truth. Now he didn't say we heard a sermon. You heard the word of truth. The word of truth is the gospel of Christ. It's the gospel of our salvation. The word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, in whom also after you believe the gospel of your salvation, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest down payment of our inheritance. 
unto the redemption of the person's possession, unto the praise of his glory. So you don't have it all, you just got a down payment. When God gave you the Holy Spirit, he gave you the down payment on your inheritance. He gave you the assurance of the agreement that everything he promised you, you would, you would operate in your lifetime. You're not going to be able to operate everything in your lifetime here. Your life is not long enough. That's why he gave you eternal life. So you got forever to operate in the things of the Spirit, in the things of God. Everything God has for you. Anything else I got before I, go, before I end up somewhere else? You got to help me. Matthew chapter 13. I thought it was something before I said that, but anyway. Romans 8 and 9, I think it said, wasn't it? Y'all just put them in order, I give them to you. Don't make up your own message. Romans 8 and 9. Don't you love me? Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Just put one on another. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh. This is what happened you got born again. When you got born again, God born you out of the flesh and he put you in the spirit. That's what it means to be in Christ. It's the Holy Spirit work. See, this is one of the great mistakes that all people make that believe in water baptism. They think the man that water baptizing you is putting you in Christ. And you know good and well, can't nobody put you in Christ. The Bible told you in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we'll go there next. It's Romans 8 and 9 said, but you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God lives in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit now is your life. So the Holy Ghost in me is my life because of righteousness. Because that's what. How many can quote Galatians 2.20? Let's quote it together. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Christ now becomes my life. When Christ, who is my life, so those people who are waiting for Christ's return, they're waiting for their life to return. You already got your life. Christ's supposed to be in you. That's what you told me. Hallelujah. And you want Christ to be in you, and then you want to get the Christ when he returns. Well, you tell me which one you want. Because look at Colossians. Let me show it to you. See, people don't know what they're believing. They are saying Christ is in you, then they're waiting for Christ to come. Christ is your life. You tell me you don't have your life yet. I just read it to you. You told me you got it. Oh, I got this, Reverend. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not the flesh but out the spirit. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sent his own son in the likeness of sin in light of the flesh, for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Why did he do it? That the, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in you. So that's why you already got the spirit of life in you. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus would make you free from the law of sin and death. Now, if you already got the spirit of life in you, and you're still waiting for Christ's return, look at Colossians chapter 3. See, you got people who 
in old time, I'm going to say old time, I'm talking about 50, 75 years ago, 80, 100 years ago, they didn't know the Bible. So they did the best they could. And all the other folk who didn't know the Bible just believed what they said and wrote them some books. And that's what folks today are preaching what somebody said 100 years ago who was wrong. Because they don't know. Now they got their school. Now watch what it says. Colossians chapter 3. If we be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is here with Christ in God. Your life is here with Christ in God. Can't be talking to you. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. That's the whole point. If Christ is going to come, then you don't have Christ in you. You waiting for Christ to come before you have life? When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then we shall also appear with him in glory. He can't be talking to you. See, what we do is we just get anything in the Bible, we make that's us. That's us right there. That ain't none of us. You got to write it about this book. There's some stuff in this Bible about Israel and the church of God, and there's also the body of Christ, which are you. You're the body of Christ. You're not the church of God. See, what people are thinking about is Christ coming back for, is he, coming, he came back for the church of God. If you knew who the church of God is, then you knew why there was an Adam and an Eve and a son. Let me say it again. If you understand, you know why there was an Adam and an Eve and then a son. See, Eve was the church. Adam was the son of God. The son of God in the church had a son. And that son was called now, y'all got to know Adam and Eve and the son. You look at me now. His name was Abel. Y'all got to get Genesis 1 and 1. Now, come on. Adam and, Eve had a, Adam and Eve had a son called his name Abel. But Cain killed Abel. So God raised up another son named Seth. See, if you look at it, you look at it, you know you got to know who you are. You are, you are not the wife. You're not Eve. You're not the mother of all living. Let me show it to you. Let me show it to you. Let me show it to you. Let's go to Galatia. See, the key is people don't know. Like I keep saying, when people don't know, tell people who don't know, they go get them a big hat and they put an apostle on their signature, and then now they don't know. That's what ends up happening. You got two people don't know. The man who gave them the license and the man who did all of them don't know. Galatia chapter number four. Let's go Galatians 4, start verse 21. Now, I can't do all your reading stuff for you now. But I'm going to give you as much as I can. See, I'm off my mess. When I, when I minister, I don't know where I'm going. I got so much stuff, the Holy Ghost just said they need to know this today. And that's all I do. Boop. All those things I got from last Sunday, still in my book. Sunday for last. I just keep writing. Whatever he want me to do. Here we go. Galatians 4, 21. Is everybody there yet? On the screen, it's on the screen. Tell me, you that desire to be under the law. You know it can't be you, right? Do you not hear the law? For it is written, Abraham had two sons. The one by a bond woman and another by a free woman. Two women. So why did Abraham have two wives? He just told you. One by a slave woman and one by a free woman. 
Now, the woman that was called Sarah was Grace. See, I keep messing with Grace today. All right. Watch this. But he who was of the bondwoman, the slave woman, was born after the flesh. Can't you see one born of the flesh, one born of the spirit? But he of the free woman was by promise. Which things are an allegory or a spiritual story? For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, that was Moses' covenant, which generous abundance, which is Agar or Hagar. And in this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, answer to Jerusalem, which now is and is in abundance to her children. So you have an earthly Jerusalem that was taken out. You have an earthly Jerusalem that's over there now. That people are telling you, when the Lord comes, we all going over to Jerusalem, and you're gonna go, what are you going to do when you get over there? They don't have no temple. Oh, yeah, then we, well, we got to build a temple first, then they got to get the ashes of the heifer and all this stupid stuff that I get tired of hearing. I'm all right. <laughs> we found the ox of the heifer. We're, you wasting your time, man. God not coming here with no ashes no more. That's over. All right, here we go. But he told you what it was. He says, to Jerusalem, the two covenants, Mount Sinai and verse number 25, Agar, which is Mount Sinai, which answered to Jerusalem, which now is and in abundance with her children. That's what when, when, when Paul looked at that, he said, now this woman right here, Jerusalem, is in abundance with her children. That, that's Agar. That's the bun woman. But then he said another woman, but Jerusalem, which is the bug. I said, the Jerusalem where you're going is above. Hello? Why would I want to go to Jerusalem on the earth? When the Jerusalem which I'm going is above. That's why I read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For we know, verse 1, that if earthly house of this tabernacle was dissolved, we have a building of God not made with hand, eternal in the heaven. Jerusalem, you going to today on the earth? What in the world or spirit resurrected, glorified body is going to go and live back over here in the dirt. How you doing, sir? Good morning. Why do you think he saved you? He saved you from the earth. He saved you from the dirt man. Dirt bag. That's why I call Adam. He's a dirt bag. Bag of dirt. All right, here we go. Galatians chapter 4. And verse number 26, once again. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. Oh, Jerusalem is the mother of us all. So that means when Adam and Eve was in the garden, he said to Eve, she is the mother of all living. So Eve had to be Jerusalem. Who? Getting somewhere. So she was the woman. So when God raised, when, when Christ came back for the church, who did he come back for? The woman. That's why you have Revelation chapter 7. The 144,000, they were all the children of Israel. The woman. Now watch what he says. Verse 27. For it is written, Rejoice thou barren, that bearest not break forth and cry, thou that travelest not. For the desolate has more children than she which has a husband. Remember, that woman had took, took her husband. 
Now we brothers, as Isaac was, are the children of the promise. He's talking to Israel. So we're the children of the promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. That's how I told you, when you're born after the spirit, the persecution comes. Even so it is now. Nevertheless, what says the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. The son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. And that's what people are trying to do. They're trying to make the Jerusalem over here the heir. The Jerusalem and the earth, they're trying to make this, these people over here now the heir. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman. We're children of the free. Go to, go to what I showed you last week. So let's see what Christ is. I think I gave you Hebrew 4.14. Hebrew chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. I asked you this morning, why did Jesus wear swaddling clothes? Because he was clothed in linen. That's the priestly garment from birth. Why did Jesus tell the Pharisees and the Sadducees? He told that man to rise up and walk. And he says, which is easier to say to the man, thy sins be forgiven thee, arise, take up your bed and walk. He said, who you think you are now, son, young man? Remember Jesus 30 years old. Son, who you think you are now? You're going to tell him, forgive sin. You know, I'm the high priest. I'm Caiaphas. I'm the high priest. Yeah, but you're fired. The new high priest has come. Your ministry is over. Since y'all don't understand, their ministry was over. John the Baptist was a prophet. He represented all the prophets. Their ministry was over. Once Christ came, everything has been fulfilled, and everything they was using in natural, physical, spirit. Um, natural and physical, it was over. That's why you see churches now still trying to put a table here and call it the showbread. I'm not the showbread, the Passover. First Corinthians chapter 5 verse 8 told you Christ is our Passover. See, people don't want Christ. Christ is the end of the law. You don't have the law no more. And churches are still trying to keep the law. He said, not me, Pastor. What, do you do communion on Sunday? You still trying to keep the law. The Passover was given to Moses coming out of Exodus. Go back and check it out. God never gave you no Passover. Christ is the end of the law. Christ is the end of Passover. Christ is the end of water baptism. If you go back and check when Christ was baptized, he said to him, it's suffered to be so now. We must fulfill all righteousness. And he suffered it. You didn't have to worry about nobody else being baptized. You didn't talk about nobody being baptized after Christ was baptized. Now, the children of Israel had to be baptized in his name because they had to understand the preparation for the Lord. See, John the Baptist said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. So they, he was preparing a people for the Lord. And that's why you only had two tribes. And I showed you this morning who they were. They were Jerusalem and Judah, Judah and Jerusalem. Which was the Ezekiel 46, I'm not going back there. 
in the first seven chapters told you. And Isaiah chapter 5 told you it was a vineyard. That's who they were. And that's why when Christ came in John chapter 15, he said, I'm the true vine. You read Psalm 80 and verse 8, it would tell you he brought a vine out of Egypt and he planted it in Israel, in Jerusalem. He planted that vine in the promised land. And that vine was called Judah and Jerusalem. So when he came to seek for fruit, he couldn't find none. Wonder why. My message just changed. Go to Matthew chapter number 13. That's what I said, right? I just did that earlier, I think, didn't I? Matthew 13, right? All right. But I want to I do the Matthew 13 at the beginning of the chapter because I want to show you the parable of the sower. Woo, is this good stuff or what? I could preach, I could preach all day on the Lord's notes. I ain't got mine. Let me get an NLT Bible here. Matthew chapter 13. And we want to do is, we want to look at, in Matthew chapter 13, see, this is what I do. If I go to you and you're a doctor or nurse, I don't need you to practice on me. I'm not trying to put people down. I've had open heart surgery, and the man who had op did open heart surgery on me is a practicing physician. That's why you better learn how to pray. <laughs> uh, he, that's, what he, that's what his license says. He's a practicing physician. <sighs> but you, when you go to get, when you dish for your salvation, you don't want no pastor practicing. You want somebody to know what they're talking about. All right, here, Matthew 13 and verse number 18. Let's go to verse 18 in the NLT Bible. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. King James says the parable of the sower. He says, the seed that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. That's why I told you when you first start here, my primary goal is to make sure you understand the word. Now, I may talk, I may do a lot of talking, a lot of teaching, and a lot of laughing and whatever, but when, when you end up, I will make sure you understand the word. Because if you don't understand the word of God, you can't keep it, the enemy will take it out your heart. He can only take what you don't understand. So somebody can give you a car key and a car. You can't drive it, it's because you don't understand it. Most people never read the manual. I'm serious. Most people never read the manual. The first thing laying on top of everything you buy is a manual. I bought a snowblower this past year in my confession. And my snowblower has two batteries. I didn't know how to operate it. I knew how to put the batteries in there, but it wouldn't start. So I called a woman on the, on the phone, and I told her I bought a, I bought a uh -oh, snowblower, really nice snowblower. I mean, it works real good now. I understand it working. But it has a manual inside. So I, let me go back to the manual and see what this thing's saying. I feel like I had this. But you have to understand, that snowblower operates differently. I had to hold in the button 
all the way in, and then pull in the hemp. And it went, I said, now you want to do all that, huh? I've been trying to get you working for the last, (laughs) you know. It was in the manual. People never read the manual. And the folks who read the manual don't know the manual. They stand up here, they got less education you got. And you let them teach you the Bible. You go home and search stuff out. That's what the Berean Christian was about. And you have to know people don't know what to talk about. See, before that man did surgery on me, I went to his office. My wife would tell you. And I went to his office as a pastor and him as a doctor. He looked at me and told me, I've been, I said, well, look, I've been pastoring, I've been pastoring, you know, 37 years this year. Well, this year, that back there, 35 years. And I says, uh, uh, I do this because I know, I know the book. And I just want to make sure you know medicine, you know what you're doing and you know what. He said, look, I've been doing this here nearly 40 years and I know my office. And this is what he told me. My wife right there. He said, look, my office is right here. All this glass when you go in William Beaumont Hospital from the Woodward side and you go in that hospital that way. He said, you see that glass building all that? He said, that's my office. He said, I do, I do this here. Those people who have open heart surgery, I'm the one who do them. See, what am, I, what am I doing? I want you to convince me you know what you're doing. We ain't playing no game. I want, I want you to convince me. He says, what do I need to do, Pastor, to show you? I said, you need to convince me you know what you're doing. He said, you need me to take another one of those steps? He, I said, yeah, I want to take another. I want to make sure you show me what blood is coming out of my heart. He showed to him on the screen. He said, see this right here? He said, this thing here, you're going to give him another one. Show, give him another one on Texas. I've had about three or four. But he said, you see this right here? When your, when your blood goes pumped, the, the thing doesn't close, the blood drips out. I said, oh, that's what they're on there for? He said, yeah. That's what that is. See, he's going to convince me. When that man finished with me, I said, where you want me to sign it? <laughs> he said, that's what's going on inside of you. And I want to take care of that. He said, listen, I will not let you down. He said, I'll make sure you have the, uh, 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 everything he talked about. He said, I'll make sure all that you're going to have. I will not disappoint you. I will have this. He said, I will, I will have you to choose the music you want to hear. <laughs> then, then, then he tell me. He said, you have the music you want to hear. I'm going, what am I going to do with the music? I ain't going to hear nothing. <laughs> I didn't realize what they do is you are dead on that table. You are not breathing your own no more. So I'm talking about believing. See, I had talked with my Lord. And I know the spirit of God in me is my life. You can't take that. That's why Abraham was able to have offer of Isaac because he knew if God did not if God would have let him kill, kill his son, he had to raise him up again. If they let me down on that table, you got to raise me up again. No, no, that's not going to happen to me. The Lord showed me. That's not going to happen to you. So that's what I'm talking about. I told my wife, you're going to minister this Sunday and next Sunday. Maybe the next Sunday. She said, no, I'm missing that Sunday too. 
And I said, after that, I'll be back. He said, but you ain't going to minister. My wife would tell you, I got out of the hospital after 14 days. And I told my wife, I said, now, I'll be at church Sunday. She said, you ain't coming, son. <laughs> now, you won't know my boss. Right over there. Let me move on. Here we go. We're in Matthew 13 and verse 18. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seed. The seed that fell on the footpath, those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. When you don't understand, the enemy come take the word from you. The seed on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and immediately they receive it with joy. Oh, they jumping up and down. They heard the word. But see if they don't have no root. They don't have a deep root in them. They haven't been in the faith long enough. They don't last long, the Bible says. Those folks don't last long. They'll jump up and down, but they don't stay in church long. They fall away. As soon as they have problems, and are persecuted for believing God's word. You look for them and they're gone. When you do something they don't like. Like the folks used to do in my day when they take communion. They weren't going to stay on Sunday. They just came to take communion. And once they took communion, they, they get up and they look at me and they do this here. And they walks out that door. I don't never know what that means yet. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Excuse me or what? They were persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. The worries of this life. They want to know what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to put on. God told Israel, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, put on. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all this other stuff is going to be added to you. Once Christ comes to live inside of you, everything else happens. You don't have to worry about that. Make sure you have the Holy Spirit in you. Once the Holy Ghost comes inside of you, you become an heir of everything the Father has. You're not going to live by labor. Gonna live by favor. They fall away as soon as they have problems and are persecuted for believing God's word. All somebody got to do is just say a little few words about them. I ain't going back. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message crowded out by the worries of this life. The chaos of this life. They got too much going on. They got to go watch the car. That's what they told Jesus. I can't come right now. I ain't go first. Got to go bury my dead. I can go bury. I got folks I got to bury. I can't come right now. As a matter of fact, I got a job. I got folks out of town. You know, folks will tell me I can't come to church, son. I got folks out of town. I'm going to like bring the folk. <laughs> I can't. I got folks out of town. I said, well, bring the folks out of town. Worries of this life. They lure in the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. They ain't got no fruit. Too busy. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear the word and they understand God's word and they produce a harvest. 30-fold, 60-fold, even 100. See, you can't produce no fruit. So why, did the, why do flesh come against you? Go to Galatians 5, 17. 
Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. Why do you have problem with flesh? People don't understand why we have problem with flesh. See, that's why you, you don't... Well, let me don't mess with that. We have to know the things in the flesh works against the things of the spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. When you get this, say amen. He said, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. See, the, the, the spiritual nature in man, which is the flesh, wants to do evil. That's why when you talk about going to church, your flesh says, you got that little meringue pie in there that you didn't eat last week. Now, how in the world that got something to do with it? You know, I mean, flesh, flesh, how, many, how many hear what I'm saying? Man, you can get ready to say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to eat anything all day today. I'm just going to give my time to the Lord. And just like I said, you had that lemon rain pie in there for two days. You need to eat that up for a spa. <laughs> flesh, flesh, don't forget nothing. Now, how in the world you thought about a lemon rain pie this time? You know, you can get ready to go to bed. You can get ready to go to bed and say, I'm not going to eat nothing. I'm going to bed. Because I got to get up in the morning. He said, man, you got to get your handful of cookies on the way to the bed. <laughs> you sure they got <laughs> You got to grab a handful of them cookies on the way to bed. Boy, that show go good with some chocolate milk, wouldn't it? See, that's flesh, boy. But why, why is it doing that? Here it is. Galatians 5, 17. The sinful nature, which is flesh, it wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are con constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. King James, I like it better. You're not able to do the thing that you would. And the thing that you would is bring forth fruit. The responsibility of your flesh is to keep you from being fruitful. See, that's the parable of the sword. If you understand the word, you hear the word, believe the word, keep the word, then you will bring forth fruit. So the, so the flesh responsibility is to keep you from hearing the word. You got to watch yourself even in church. The flesh we try to keep you from hearing the word, believing the word, and if you, if you don't get the word in your heart, you can't be fruitful in no way. That's what understanding means. Understanding is, is, is a spiritual term meaning that the word has been truly digested. See, it won't do no good if you put, 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 put the bread, like you go home today, you put all the food on the table, don't eat. You're going to starve to death. Do that a few weeks. You go home, put all the food on the table, then you sit down and look at it. Do that about three or four weeks. You come in here, what's wrong with you, man? Man, I see all the food I want to see, but you're not eating. Your body have to have food to live. Your spirit have to have the word to live. We live by believing. My time is up, and I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. 
I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org. 